3, verses 10 through 17. This is the word of the Lord. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, Lyconium, and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from being bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. May we be blessed by the reading and teaching of God's word. You may be seated. As Joshua comes up, I'm not sure if this announcement was made last week, but Brother Joshua is coming to preach uh, this week. He was going to last week. Uh, Sister Ebony lost her aunt last week, and so she was out of town. So please remember uh, Joshua and Ebony and their family uh, as, as this time of remembrance for uh, Ebony's aunt and their family. So with that, Brother Joshua, take us away. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Pastor Todd, for reading the scripture and appreciate the prayers as we continue to pray for um, Great Aunt Josette. Persecution. Today we're going to talk about persecution and what that means to the body of Christ and how, what angle we're going to look at persecution and what that means for us today. As we conclude chapter 3 in 2 Timothy, Pastor Todd did a great job last week of setting the tone or setting the scene uh, two weeks ago by explaining what, how we should act or how we should not act. I take that back. How we should not act. And Paul warned Timothy of the perilous times ahead and how he shouldn't have these selfish ways. However, today, Paul will provide Timothy with some guidance on the things that he should focus on. So when you think about it, last week or two weeks ago, Pastor Todd brought up the, the selfish desires, the selfish, prideful, all those things that we should not act, how Timothy should not act, and how the world is acting. But today, we will focus on how we should act, or Paul was telling Timothy how he should act in the midst of all the false teachers, all the evildoers, how he should act. So it's a difference of contrast, uh, contrast feelings or contrast actions. One of how you shouldn't act and this how you should act. So as we look at this, we can follow these instructions given by Paul on our own daily walk. Just like it was given to, Paul, to Timothy, it could also be used by us as well. Paul lays out this plan for him to follow, a plan that would be beneficial for Timothy and a plan that would be beneficial for us as well because Paul's life 
if we could remember, Paul's life was an example. He was an example not only for Timothy, but also for us, being that Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So if Paul's life was an example, imagine if you were Paul and your life would be given to others for others to follow. How comfortable would it be if your life was an example for others to follow? Would you be able to say, like Paul, follow my example? Or would you say, no, don't, don't look at my life, look at somebody else's life? He tells Timothy to, and us to follow his example as, it lays, as he lays it out, but we're going to break it down. Let's break it down together. Verse 10, it starts by saying, you, however, again, the transition, he says, follow my teaching. My teaching. Now, my teaching, this means he, to follow the instructions, which is the Word of God. What Paul taught, he wrote down in the New Testament. And Timothy was able to use what Paul taught to guide and direct him on his daily walk to provide some sense of truth, to some, some sense of a true north. Now, how do you arrive at your true north? Do you use the Bible? Do you use your own thought process? Do you use what somebody else says? Do you look on YouTube and find what's the best route to go in this certain situation? What is your true north? And how do you arrive at this sense of true north? Next, he talks about my conduct, and it says, and this means to carry out what you believe is true, to carry out what you believe is true. Now that you know the truth, you have to carry out in your conduct what you believe is true. It means to live out, to walk out, or carry out the Bible. Plain sense, to live out, walk out, to carry out the Bible, or to put it into practice for layman's terms. We all know that it's one thing to know God's word, but it's another thing to put, actually put it into practice. We may know a lot of people that can know the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation, but as far as like, applying that to their life or applying that word that God provided in their own life, there's something different. Our conduct should be focused on God's agenda and what he wants for us to do. And if we could be honest with ourselves, it's difficult sometimes because the difficulty is in ourselves, right? We want to focus on God's agenda, but that thing called self seems to always get in the way. We tend to be more focused on ourselves than focus on what God wants us to do. So that goes to the next point, which is my aim in life. My aim in life. What is your aim in life? What is your purpose? If we were to ask the world, they would tell you that you can decide. You can decide to have whatever aim or purpose you want to. When we know that that's not a good idea, the world would tell you just be happy and be whatever you want to be <laughs> when you grow up. You have the whole world to do whatever you want to do. Now, the problem that persists is that our aim and our focus was designed by God a long time ago. Jeremiah 29, 11, he tells us God knows the plan for our life. He, know, he knew way before your mom met your dad and before your granddad met your grandma, God knows the plan for your life. So what is our, what is our aim? What is our purpose? Well, the answer is clear. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says it clearly that 
you were bought with a price. So we should glorify God with our bodies. So if you were bought with a price, you're owned by God. And if you're owned by God, then you should glorify God. That's what he wants for you. you. He wants you to glorify him. And we ought to glorify God in every situation, everything that we do. That should be our aim. So if someone asks you, what's your aim? What's your purpose? It's to glorify God. The next point is my faith. Paul reminded Timothy of his faith and how he should live by faith. And if you were talking to someone, could they answer or or could you answer, hey, just follow my faith example. So the question again arises, how is your faith walk? How are you living? Is your faith as strong as a baby's first step, stumbling to and fro? Or is your faith as strong as an ox? Could you tell how strong your faith is? How can we tell how strong our faith is? Well, the strength of our faith is sometimes determined by the circumstances that are in our life. Sometimes our, the strength of our faith is, circum, is, is about the circumstances that are in our life. I'll give you one prime example. With our youth group, we tend to have activities. And once, one Wednesday, we had a fall activity. We had a fall, a, a faith trust or a fall exercise. We all have heard of that before where you just fall back and you hope and pray that somebody will catch you, right? Well, we had three or four youth that I had some blindfold and sent them outside. They didn't know what was going on. I, I, I blindfolded them. I promise you I'll take care of your kids. I promise. But <laughs> had a blindfold, and we brought them back in. We spun them around three or four times. Now, I was behind them to catch them when they fall. And just to give them an example, say, hey, just fall back. We had to use the, hey, just fall back. You'll be fine. Now, three out of the four was kind of, it makes sense, kind of stumbling back, didn't really want to fully give in. But it was Tristan. Tristan Dumblet, he just, without just a complete blind faith and trust that whoever was behind him or whatever was going to happen, he, was, he was fully gave in and fell back into my arms. That's how we have to be, church. We have to trust God no matter the circumstances. Even though we can't see what's going on, even though the world is swirling all around us, we have to trust God so much and have faith in God so much that if he say jump, all right, let's go. We're just going to jump. We have to trust God just like that. Lastly, it talks about, well, second to lastly, it talks about my patience, my love, and my steadfastness. Now, these are attributes that come from God. And we can go to God to ask him to bless us with these, with the patience, with the love, with the steadfastness. Now, these are things that are really tough, if we can be honest, because patience how many, of, how many of us lack patience, if we can be honest? My, both my hands should be up there. Sometimes we, we lack in love, right? If God tells us to love everybody, including our enemies, how can we love someone that, that intentionally stabbed us in the back? I don't want to love him, God. I don't want to love, love her, God. But she, he says we got to love and have steadfastness to stand firm and be bold and proclaim God's word. You see, Paul is telling Timothy to examine his life and follow his zeal for teaching and preaching the Word of God because, like I said before, he's facing, Timothy will be facing these false teachers, these evildoers, and he's got to stand firm. He's got to look at the conduct. He's got to remember his aim, remember his focus, to stand firm with patience, to stand firm in love, to stand firm with his steadfastness, knowing 
that persecution was going to come. And lastly, we look at this point, my persecution and suffering. Paul gives a a, a long list of things that that, that we have to stand firm on. But for this, he's reminding him my persecution and my suffering. And I, I, I can imagine Paul taking some time to really understand this persecution and this suffering. And Timothy to understand that persecution and suffering is going to come in our Christian life. You see, Timothy saw firsthand the persecution Paul faced while serving the Lord. And, and, and it's a false notion that because you're a Christ follower, that all of a sudden your persecution will go away. That's false. Better told, because you're a Christ follower, follower more persecution is going to come your way. Now, Paul identified three particular specific places in his journey that Paul, for, for Timothy to consider. First is Antioch, then Iconium, and then Lystra. Now, I was wondering, why did Paul identify three, these three places? So I looked into it, and, and, and the Bible tells me, clear as day, Acts 13, verse 50 and 51 tells us that Paul and Barnabas was on a missionary tour. They was on a preaching tour going around the country, and they first stopped at Antioch. And now in Antioch, they was driven out by the rich men and women of the city. That was the first set of persecution. And they shook off the dust off their feet, and they went from Antioch to Iconium, right? So it's, it's different levels here. So as they got to Iconium, Acts 14, 1 through 7 tells us that Paul and Barnes was preaching in the synagogues. And many Jews and Gentiles began to believe. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and conspired, and they stood against Paul and Barnabas. Again, persecution. And a mixed group of Jews and Gentiles attempted to stone Paul and Barnabas for their word of God, for their their zeal for the word of God. But before they were stoned, before the plot was, was, was cooked up and finished, Before they got stoned, they fled, and they went to the third town, Lystra. And then when they arrived in Lystra, Acts 14, 19 tells us that the Jews from Antioch and Lystra, and and Iconium, sorry, the Jews from Antioch and Iconium followed Paul and Barnabas to Lystra and and persuaded the crowd to harm Paul. So it's a level. They started in Antioch, caused some ruckus, they left town and, and go to Iconium. Then they went to Iconium, they were about to be stoned, and they left town and went to Lystra. All the trouble followed them from uh, Antioch to Iconium and now to Lystra. Now, in this particular case, they were stoned, and they threw him out of the city and supposed he was dead. All this because he was spreading the good news about Jesus. So what do we have to complain about again? What persecution and suffering do we have? The Lord's repeated deliverance of Paul should have been encouragement for Timothy in the face of persecution by those at Ephesus who opposed the gospel. What example do you have of persecution in your life? Now, our definition of persecution is not always compared to the brothers and sisters in in, in another country. Let me give you examples of my persecution. Now, many of y'all know that, that, that I'm an Auburn fan. And me living in a world where Georgia and Alabama are, are just slightly better than Auburn, 
that's not really persecution. I can't say that I'm walking around being persecuted by the Alabama Georgia fans of the world. No, I can't say that. Or, or my negative comments that I receive for posting on social media or Instagram or, or Facebook. No, I can't call that persecution or, or me waiting on a, in, in a long line at Chick-fil-A because I'm hungry. That's not persecution, folks. It is, it's, it's, it's bad. You know, we, we don't want to go through that stuff. I get it. But we're talking about some real persecution that Paul and, and Timothy and, and our brothers and sisters in Christ are facing. Can God give us the task of receiving real persecution for his namesake? You see, God promised in his word to never leave us nor forsake us. So why is it so difficult for us to believe sometimes? Well, it's simple. It's because we are dealing with that persecution firsthand. When you're dealing with it firsthand, I'm talking about real persecution, it's hard to see that God is providing for you and and, and sustaining you and keeping you because the trials and tribulations seem to be bigger than the God that we serve. But we can't put the persecution and the pain and the suffering before God. What we have to do is leave that pain and persecution at the feet of God. Don't let the pain and persecution eclipse the God that you serve. As faithful believers, we must expect persecution and suffering at the hands of this Christ-rejecting world. You see, Paul is thankful for Timothy being on his side. And we will suffer persecution as Christ's followers, but look at the words, the last eight words in verse 11. It says, yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. I could close the Bible and we can end it right there because that's, that, that's the cusp of it right here. Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. Even though persecution is flying around, even though this bad stuff is going on, even though your team is not winning the Super Bowl or, or your team is not the best in the country, it's okay. Even though you're, you're having trials and tribulations, God understands and he is able to overcome them all and rescue from them all. Look, verse 12, Paul reminds Timothy again that living a godly life in Christ, will, you will suffer persecution. You will suffer persecution. Now, back in the day, I used to play basketball. I'll give you a quick story. And while playing basketball, there were some people on the court, we called them self-checks. Now, I'll be honest with you, I was the self-check. We called them self-checks because they couldn't shoot, they couldn't dribble, and it was not any good at basketball, right? Now, now Mr. Ron and probably Mr. Kendrick and, and I'm sure Brother Todd, uh, they were really good at basketball, so you had to guard them. But for me, I was the one that you're like, nah, go ahead and shoot, Josh, you're good. I was self-checked. I'll be honest, I'll follow that blade. I was self-checked in this story. So if you're going to suffer persecution, think about this. If you're suffering persecution, then probably you're a challenge to the enemy. You're a challenge to the devil. Now, if you're not suffering persecution, then I would check your jersey. Maybe you self-checked. Maybe you're the person that the devil, nah, he, you let him go. He's going to fall and stumble on his own troubles, right? But we have to make sure that we're on the team and we're being a nuisance to the devil through God's help. We can't, don't be self-checked. Don't be like me and be self-checked. Make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do for God. Paul warns Timothy that evil people and imposters will evolve from bad to worse. 
all the dangerous and divisive movements of these false teachers will become more successful. So it's going to get from bad to worse. It's not getting better. It's actually going to get a little bit worse. So guard yourself, Timothy. Guard your heart. Stand fast in love and knowing that God will eventually overcome. But I'm going to warn you now, it's getting worse before it gets better. So the question is, why would God allow this to happen? Well, the answer is very simple. Very simple. It's deep in the Bible somewhere. It says only God knows. It's very simple. Only God knows. And we shouldn't worry about the evildoers and the false teachers because God will handle them eventually. You see, Paul wants Timothy to focus on what you have learned and whom you learned it from. Timothy's mother and grandmother were great examples for Timothy, and they played a huge role in his life. Can you imagine them sitting Young Timothy on their lap, just teaching him the Old Testament, teaching him the Word of God, scriptures that point to Jesus and to the Messiah, and confirms this teaching of Paul. Now, it was in these scriptures that Timothy can use to give him wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Plain and simple, the scripture in the Bible should lead us to salvation and faith in Jesus, and it will provide us with wisdom for the whole world. It will provide wisdom for the whole world. So what's the purpose and nature for the Scripture? It's the purpose and nature that is slanted or stated in verse 17. It says, all Scripture is breathed out by God. But for what purpose? It answers it. For teaching. That's what Pastor Todd does every Sunday. And what I'm trying to do right now is for reproof. Reproof means warning. The Greek word can be translated as expose. The word of God exposes those things that are not good in your life. Also for correction. Now that those bad things are now exposed, they need to be corrected. And what better way to correct those things than in the word of God? Because if we could use our own philosophy, our own mindset, we talked about it before, we would get it wrong every single time. Judges 21.5 tells us at the end, it says um, we'll be right in our own minds, in our own images. We, we always seem to be right. And that's true. If I could be right, I'm going to be right. If I use my own thought process, if I use my own brain. But I know when I compare it to God, most of the time I'm wrong. Most of the time it's a prideful issue. Most of the time it's, I'm stubborn in my own ways, if I could be honest. Miss Ebony would tell you best, I can be stubborn at times, most of the time. <laughs> but lastly, when we get these wrong, lastly, for training in righteousness. You see, the Scripture tells us that we should live a God-honoring life. Why? All so that men, the men of God can be complete and equipped for every good work. The Word of God equips us for what we've been called to do and what we've been called to live and we, how we've been called to live. Now, the question I'm going to leave you with, and I'll take my seat after we pray, it says, are you living a Christ-centered life full of persecution and suffering? Are you living a Christ-centered life full of persecution and suffering? If so, then I want, then I'll, I'll say congratulations. You're right where God wants you to be. Now, you're like, well, man, how am I going to be in this situation? How am I going to live and prosper and thrive in this environment? God will provide you the strength to sustain. God will provide you the, 
the, the strength to endure during those troubled times. Just trust God and have faith in him. Like Tristan did, just fall in. Just fall into his arms, and he will protect you every step of the way. Let us pray.